Welcome to the Sky Society Podcast, the place where dream careers come true. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Sky Society, Natalie Peters. Prepare for smiles, tears, surprises, and epic takeaways. This podcast is for the ambitious woman who wants it all and wants it real. We're diving deep with relatable and dreamy guests who are showing you what actually matters when it comes to starting and accelerating your career so you can make your dream job your real job. Let's make it happen. Welcome back to another episode of the Sky Society podcast. Today, I am so excited to be chatting with Ali Gomez. She is the scheduling and sponsorship ad manager at ESPN. Welcome, Ali. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to share your career journey. Ali has done a ton of incredible things throughout her career, and we have a lot to jump into today. But before we do, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So hi, my name is Ali. I am a true Florida girl, born and raised. I went to UCF where I studied event management. Go Knights. Um, I'm passionate about music, sports, and just entertainment media in general. I love traveling and exploring. I am a forever learner. That's one thing I love about the media and entertainment industry specifically. It's always evolving. There's always something new to learn. I was at Cox Media Group for just over eight years, where I had my hands in multiple departments. I started as an intern in promotions, managed the front desk, and then moved to sales team. And my last position there was the uh, marketing and promotions manager. And then, as you mentioned, I am currently at ESPN on the sponsorship team. I currently cover SportsCenter specifically, and I've been there for almost a year and a half now. Wow, that's incredible. And you said, so you're currently living in Florida right now? Yes. Where in Florida? Like Central Florida, like just north of Orlando. Okay. Do you make it out to the beach very often or not so much? You know, it's, not as much as I would like to say I do for living so close. <laughs> I am going to Florida. I'm going to go to the Keys for the first time for a couple oh, days. Oh, it's and, fun. And surprisingly, I, I would never have thought this, but it's hotter in Texas than it is in Florida. Right? Like, is it? Over 10 degrees. Just, yeah. I was literally just going to preface that uh, it's hot, so beware. But if it's just as hot in Texas, if not worse, then... I guess you'll be okay. (laughs) So you spent over eight years working at Cox, which is quite a long time. And you were able to move up, as you said, from promotional assistant to office coordinator and account manager, then marketing and promotions manager. So you moved up a ton throughout your time there. How were you able to do that at such a large company? Yeah, I think it's important to learn all the different roles that you can and kind of just what their jobs all entail and understand how they all function together. It ultimately makes you better at your job and then helps you have compassion for those other roles when you see things from their perspectives too. So I volunteered myself wherever I could. Um, I made myself visible to everyone. Um, One of my mentors at the time asked like what I wanted to be known for in the office, which kind of stuck with me. And I sat down and really thought about that. And I wanted to be known as a hard worker, a team player, but um, I also wanted to stand out. And I didn't want to just run with the pack. I wanted to one day lead the pack. So I would listen a lot to people's advice, their success stories, their struggles, their complaints. And I would just notice challenges or acknowledge needs in the different areas and suggest solutions when I could. I think management could see that I really wanted to be there and that I was going to give them all I had. I'm I'm the type of person to, I I love a challenge, but I always have to kind of be working towards something. 
I'm always grinding and figuring out what I can do next or how I can be better, how I can do better. That's definitely not always necessarily a good thing. I think it's important mm -hmm. to kind of be present, take a step back and be proud of your accomplishments. But I think having that like go-getter mindset uh, was kind of always, I was on the lookout for what was next. And I always tried to be a yes person, which is challenging. You you still got to say no and set those boundaries when needed. But I've tried to say yes, even if I didn't know the answer, I'm going to figure it out and get it done. If I could help my team or find solutions, I'm going to do what I can. And I think that always kind of set me apart in a lot of ways. I love that. And I think one of the skills too, as we get older is also to figure out what are the things that you're good at and what are your strengths, because it's maybe not something that we notice ourselves. And I love that your manager asked you that question of what do you want to be known for? Were you able to answer that immediately? Or did you have to kind of like think or take a couple of days to figure out your answer to that question? Yeah, I think my answer was, give me a minute. Like I got to yeah. think about what, what I want to be known for, because that's a loaded question if you really sit down and think about it. I, but I think it's a good way to like put into perspective of what you want to focus on and, and where yeah. you want to grow. Yeah, it definitely helps you kind of establish your goals career-wise, but personally too, and helps you reflect on that. Absolutely. And I also love how you said that you were a good listener. I think being a good listener is such an undervalued quality, but it is such a good one to have. Okay. And consistently on the podcast, I will hear successful women share that this is a skill that they had where they're able to put their ego out to the side or they're able to be in a room and not be the first one to speak and first you know take in other people's you know listen take in other people's perspectives understand what's happening and then speaking with more intention so I love that you highlighted that as something that was that had helped you propel yourself in your career definitely I think like you said it's so easy to talk just to be heard or yes. uh, listen to reply. But yeah, sit, sitting down and just listening, you could really learn a lot. And you were at Cox, moved up a ton, and then you made it over to ESPN as a scheduling and sponsorship ad manager. Can you tell me what your role entails? And then also, was this intentional that you wanted to move into sports marketing? Or was it more so just like, this is the job that kind of came up and it, you know, the opportunity aligned with what you were looking for? I definitely did not have it in mind. I, I'm the kind of person, I know some people are like, they know they're going to be a doctor from fifth grade and then they become a doctor and they're a doctor the rest of their lives. I have never been that kind of person. I have never fully had it figured out or know exactly what I wanted to do, which is kind of nice in some ways. It's kind of a struggle in others, but no, I did not see sports marketing on on the plan, but it all, you know, works out, I think exactly how it's supposed to sometimes. But what I do, like the job itself entails, the best way I can describe it is I'm kind of the middleman between sales and production. So my team and I make sure whatever sales sold is what production airs. So I work with agencies to make sure that materials are updated. And then I basically translate it into what production needs to air. So right now I work on Sports Center specifically. So any paid sponsorships that air within Sports Center, I'm involved in somehow. I'm assuming that's a ton because I'm assuming it's a ton of sponsorships. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I, you, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so what is your favorite part of your job or what do you love most working at ESPN? I love that every day is different. It's similar in a lot of ways. So there is consistency, but for the most part, you're working with different advertisers or you're working on different features. So there's always something new and it's like a giant puzzle in a way. There's so many different pieces that you put together to kind of create this bigger picture. 
And I love seeing it all come together, especially on such a large network, reaching so many people. When you're the viewer and you're watching it just effortlessly air, you don't necessarily think twice about the people and the processes involved to make it happen on the back end. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see those pieces put together and then watch production air your puzzle correctly. That is a really great way to put that. I also love anything that has to do with puzzle pieces or just relating. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what entrepreneurship is as well, which is it just honestly, it's like the work is a game, you know, it's For a lot sure. of fun. Yeah. That way. Your work, so you mentioned that you work with a lot of different sponsors. Is there a lot of cross collaboration? Like are you working with lots of different people all the time or is a lot of your role more independent? A little bit of both. I do have the luxury of working from home. So I do kind of know what I need to do on a day in and day out basis, which is the consistency part of it, which I do love that part too. But I do have a few different teams. So there's like a sports center specific team. And then there's like a sponsorship specific team. So definitely a lot of collaboration too, which is nice. Keeps you sane when you're working from home. (laughs) Yes. And I think that part is also really special and fun about marketing is the things that you get to put together when you're working with multiple different perspectives and minds. And just like you said, seeing all of it come together and then get aired. And then all of us get to sit back and watch it effortlessly and see all your hard work. Yes. So you have over 10 years of creative marketing experience, developing innovative and successful promotional campaigns, strategizing media schedules, doing all the sponsorship packages like you do right now for ESPN. So this area is very interesting and unique, and I love talking about new career paths on the Sky Society podcast. So can you walk us through what your process for starting a new promotional campaign looks like? Yeah, basically, I think first things first, for any promotional campaign, it's important to know who your client is and kind of know their needs, what their goals are, their expectations. That's number one, most important. And then from there, just do your research, whether it's statistically through data, using different market research resources, or even just personally through your own experience or your team's experience. Say your client is a cleaning company. What would it take for you to purchase their products or what gets your attention or what gets your parents' attention or your niece's attention, depending on what the demographic is. And then from there, just have fun with it. I think brainstorming the ideas with your team, getting the client involved, seeing what's working out in the market, even through social channels or what's being advertised in the Super Bowl right now, like what's working and then kind of adding your own touch and ultimately creating the solution for your client's needs and goals, but then adding that creative idea to set them apart. Is there a lot of very creative work and a lot of brainstorming? Because I mean, you're basically just coming up with, with new ideas. So yeah, is most of it a creative process? Honestly, it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes there's just templates for what works kind of thing. Yeah. So it's easy to just kind of sell that to the client of like, here's something that works. But then, you know, if the client is willing to spend more money or is wants to have fun with it, then it's definitely, it's, it can be fun having your team get involved and make it a creative process. So now that you've done this for a while, and you've launched a lot of promotional campaigns. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned? And have, are there any campaigns that you've done that have failed or didn't have your intended outcome? Definitely. I think it's usually <laughs> numbers wise that it doesn't add up to your original goals. You know, you want it to reach a thousand people in 
only 200 saw it sort of thing. That can definitely be the a challenge. But the biggest lesson I've probably learned is just you got to keep moving. You can't dwell on those mistakes. Recapping is important, seeing what worked and what didn't, and then just figuring out what could have done better and apply that next time. Marketing in general, I think, is usually so fast-paced that you're already working on the next project. So it you can't be too hard on yourself. You can't be too hard on your team as long as you take that time to recap, have the conversations, learn from it, and then just do better next time. Yeah, I can imagine that, especially when you're working on so many different campaigns that you're not always going to get the intended outcome. So definitely not (laughs) dwelling on if the numbers weren't there or not, because there's just another campaign around the corner. Exactly. With your career path and how you've grown into this now sponsorship and ad manager role at ESPN, if someone's looking to have a career path like yours and having a job like yours, what skills should they work on building now? That's tough because we can have the exact same career path, but different skill sets. So maybe we're both super detail oriented and that's necessary to do the job, but you're better at spreadsheets and I'm better at words. So I think experience in itself is a huge skill to just go out there and do it and experience things. My time as an account manager, my time as a promotions manager, I worked at a law firm while I was in college. It has all helped me gain certain skills and exposure that I can still apply to the things that I do now at ESPN. Working with agencies, working with sales, working with production, it all kind of just translates in, even if it's a different industry or a different company. you can find the similarities. So there's that. And then I also think communication is a huge skill um, that everyone says they're good at, (laughs) but it's definitely a skill I think everybody can always continue to improve on. I love the communication piece. And I feel like we don't often think about what it means to be a good communicator. I think it will haphazardly say like, yeah, you're marketing, you need to be good at communication. Or we see it on a job description and we're like, yeah, communication. But the longer I've worked in this space and a lot of what I attribute why I was able to be successful when I started my career was because I was a good communicator and everyone built this skill differently. I used to do public speaking. I love to read. And so I built my communication skills, not necessarily just with having a corporate job, but I found that if you were able to communicate professionally and effectively with your peers and not just verbal communication, but also written. If you are good at writing, I always tell, you know, young people that are entering the industry, focus on being a good writer, because then you could write email marketing copy. You could do social, you could write landing pages, you could write everything. And it's actually a harder skill than you would imagine. And it's really hard to find people that are actually that versatile in verbal and written communication. It's so true. And like you said, seeing it on a job description, you're like, yeah, I can do that. But Mm -hmm. I think we're so quick to say that we're so good at it. And it's definitely communication, I think, is the one. It's the key to any functioning team or industry. But it's definitely a skill that I think can always continue to improve on written verbally. Yeah. And like you mentioned the how you're working remote. And so it's also like, can you communicate effectively with your team when they're not in the room with you? And are you able to communicate your ideas effectively to these different partners that you have? And are you able to communicate stories within your ad campaigns? And it just comes across in so many different areas. And it's always something that you can get better at and keep improving. Yeah, absolutely. I used to struggle with public speaking and now I'm 
on a podcast with you. So <laughs> there we go. Perfect example. <laughs> and as we were talking about before I was sharing with Ali, how, when I started the podcast, how I would get so nervous and I wouldn't even want to hear my voice back. <laughs> and I would do an insane amount of prep for every episode. And after every episode, I would feel like I needed to edit things that I said because I would be so self-conscious of what I said. But then um, a lot of it just goes with time of just, okay, a, a combination of fake until you make it at the beginning. And then sure. you realize that the more you do it, the better that you get. And yeah. and then, yeah, look at us talking on a podcast. Now. Look at us. <laughs> it all comes with time and exposure, I feel like, for sure. Yes, I absolutely agree. So yeah, I definitely think that if you see the word communication, don't just be like, yeah, I'm great at that. I don't need to improve that skill anymore. It's always something you can get better at. And I very much believe that if you are a good communicator, you are so much more versatile and useful at your at your role because you can just do so much more. It's so funny we're talking about now because I was just going on a rant about this the other day with someone. I'm just like how I didn't really realize that it was something that was so useful until kind of, I look back on my career. Yeah. I think it's such a simple word even that people are like, yeah. "Yeah." And it's, there's a lot more to it. And yeah. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about what your career looked like and some skills that made you successful um, in your role, but something else that you're really passionate about, Ali, is mental health. So I would love to hear about what that means to you and how you consciously prioritize your mental health at work. Yeah, um, it's definitely hard. If anyone says they have it figured out all the time, they're lying. No, I'm just kidding. But it's I, I don't know. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely an ongoing thing that you have to con- constantly be aware of. Um, you have to listen to your gut. If something's telling you you need a break, take it. Your work is still going to be there, uh, but hopefully you come back with an entirely new perspective and mindset. Finding peers and mentors that you can trust and lean on, I think is huge. You're never going through it alone. And I think that's a huge misconception. It can be so easily, it can be so easy to get overwhelmed, to have anxiety, fall into depression, uh, especially being a woman and trying to do it all or even trying to just figure out what you want to be when you grow up, it can be overwhelming. And uh, if you're having a hard time finding a job, finding yourself, figuring out what you want to do with your career and your life, I promise you, you're not alone. It's so easy to compare yourself to other people getting those amazing job offers or having an incredible job offer waiting for them right out right after graduation or the people getting their dream jobs. It's just, it can be frustrating. It can be discouraging and feel like everyone else around you has it figured out. But it's there's so much more to the picture than what you're seeing on social media or LinkedIn. But realistically, we all have our own story and our own journey. Um, I think it's just important to, to just be yourself. That sounds so cliche and so whatever, but just be yourself, live your truth, check in on yourself, check in on your people, and find what makes you happy. If you change your mind a few times, that's okay. If you're not in your dream position yet, that's okay. Maybe you found your dream position and realized it's not what you expected. Or maybe you got laid off from your dream job and having to create a new dream. That's okay. That's okay. Say it again. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Life is full of changes. And sometimes it's not fun when you're being forced to change, but it also can be the beauty of it too. You have the power to change your life right now. You just have to do it. So. 
I love that you bring up this topic and that it's something that you are passionate about when it comes to career, because I think you're absolutely right where most of us don't realize how many people struggle with this and how many people every single day are struggling with mental health. And not that it takes away from anyone else's experience or what they're going through, but that it is, I think, something universal and maybe that can help you find solace. Not a lot of people, and they may not seem like it, they may seem like their life is all perfectly put together. And especially I think social media just opens the door for so much comparison. I mean, who knew we'd be comparing ourselves on LinkedIn out of all the social media, right? (laughs) but it's really hard not to. And one of the things I, I love on this podcast, and I've interviewed a lot of women that are in really successful roles, and then maybe they get laid off or they, you know, something happens that they would never have expected and you would look at that themselves and their career history and what they've accomplished and you'd be like how could that ever happen but mm-hmm. everyone is facing challenges the one thing that i think is universal and beautiful that i i really love sharing people's stories on the podcast is because oftentimes when you're going through it it doesn't really make any sense in the in the moment but then very i'm very thankful that lots of women get to come on the podcast and then tell that story and show how this hardship or how this experience really shaped who they are or led them on a different path that was a lot better for them but you don't really have that perspective when you're in the middle of it yeah no you definitely don't and i think it's so hard hearing no's or being told no but in reality you're going to get a thousand no's you just need one person to say yes and that no can be so discouraging, but once you go, once you get that yes, it's that much more rewarding. Absolutely. Fortunately enough for me now, as an entrepreneur, I get to take mental health breaks for myself. Well, I didn't used to, it took me a while to realize that it's okay to like not work every day and I can take right. some time for myself. It took me getting to a really bad point to then realize that, but I do have the opportunity now if I'm really, really having a tough day then I get to take that day and recover and recharge so I can come back better the next day. But not everybody may feel like they can do that in their job because sometimes there's things in your personal life that are really affecting your mental health and you feel like, like, oh crap, like I have to go show up to work today. Like that is the absolute last thing that I want to do right now. Do you have any advice or tips for someone who maybe is like feeling that? Or like, do you take a sick day? Do you tell your boss? Or like, what would you advise in that situation? Yeah, I mean- I feel like every situation is different because if you have it figured out, let me know too. I think it depends on your your relationships with your boss and you know if you're able to open up to them and trust them and be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling today. Is it okay if I just take a half day even, just take a step back, I need a minute. But I know some people aren't to that degree with their boss, which is okay too, depending what your position is. But then if you need that mental health day, take it. Like, you know yourself, you know what you need. And it's so hard to listen to yourself. I think especially during COVID, I was kind of the same way, just working from home, not having a work-life balance, figuring out what that means and not taking the break. So I think it can be hard to listen to your body when your body or your mind is telling you that you need a break. You have to listen to it. I absolutely agree. And I and I hope it's something that gets a little bit more normalized. I know some companies have talked about mental health days or yeah. whatnot. some companies have more generous PTO policies than other yeah. companies do. So I would also advise looking yeah. at maybe companies like PTO policies or how they approach that. Cause it's, it's also really cool. Some companies are really awesome with that, or they have a lot of support in that area. 
-hmm. but I think that yeah, it's better to take the day or, or to, to speak up about it because I think you're also sometimes will be surprised at like who is willing to help you and, and how they're willing to help you if you you know can be vulnerable and share that experience with someone else. Yeah, agreed. I'm really glad that we got to touch on this mental health topic as well, because I think it's really important, especially for women to be more aware of that and more mindful and know that it's okay for not feeling great all the time and use the stories, hopefully from these guests to see that a lot of times, whether your hardship be personal or whether it be related to career, it, when you're in the thick of it, it's the absolute hardest, but then hopefully on the other end of it, things will make sense of, of why they happened and where you're supposed to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Well, Allie, now that we've gone through your career journey, can you tell me one thing you wish you knew when you started your marketing career? One thing is tough, but kind of touching on what we were just talking about too. I wish I knew that everyone is just winging it sometimes. (laughs) Um, No one has it all figured out. Even the higher ups, the people in management, they just have more experience in it, but it doesn't mean they have it all figured out. And you definitely don't have to have it all figured out yet. Plan all you want, but things are going to change. You just got to adapt and roll with it. And then kind of going back to the mentor, find a mentor you trust and look up to. I've had a lot of really good good mentors and some not so encouraging ones. And it's important to just follow your gut, kind of know the difference. But we're all just winging it sometimes. We absolutely are. I think everybody is to some extent. And I think it's so important to remember that. And I'm constantly reminding myself that when I feel imposter syndrome, I'm just like, it's normal. None of us really know what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, That's just all part of the human experience. For sure. Definitely is. Well, Ali, thank you so much for coming on the Sky Society podcast and opening up and sharing some wonderful advice with us today. I absolutely appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Of course. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. You can also join our private LinkedIn group for women in marketing. It's called Sky Society Women in Marketing, and you are welcome to join us on LinkedIn. And you can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at skysociety.co for more information on all things marketing and career. And I'll see you in the next episode.